Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Colored Couch Conversations, a podcast where I have intimate conversations with women of color on my couch. It's my virtual couch right now because, you know, we in quarantine and everything. Um, Today, we will discuss being Afro-Latina and identity, dance, and give advice on a Latina sis who doesn't feel like she fits in. I'm your host, Jasmine W., and my guest today is an Afro-Boricua dancer actress and activist hailing from New York City. You can catch her in music videos, on award shows, and in television with your favorite artists. She's also focused her energy on the amplification and upliftment of Afro-Latina stories. Y'all give it up for my beautiful and talented guest, Melanie Centeno. Hey. Hey, girl. How you doing? I'm good. How you, uh, how you doing? You know, whatever. <laughs> That's dope. Okay, so you can follow uh, Melanie on Instagram, y'all, at Melanie Moves. That's M-E-L-A-N-Y-M-O-V-E-S on Instagram. Melanie, I loved your energy so much when I saw you on Instagram. You were recommended by Danny, who's my friend, and she was on the show. And one thing I really noticed about you on your Instagram, you you openly talk about being Afro-Latina and you make a point to educate your audience on nationality, race, and even gun violence now, you have a passion about that. So tell me a little bit about you. Tell me about that. Well, I'm 100% Puerto Rican, born and raised in New York City. Um, I was born in the Bronx and I grew up in foster care from like a very young age, like three, and I aged out of foster care. Um, Primarily, a lot of my foster parents were African-American or West Indian. So that's why in my mind, I'm like, I'm all these things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But definitely um, Afro-Boricua. my my grandparents came here from Puerto Rico during the Great Migration in the 50s. I went to college, Stony Brook University, for <laughs> clinical laboratory science, randomly. Uh, oh, worked good. for a while, realized that a nine-to-five is monotonous, and found a passion in dance. And I randomly was able to get unemployment <laughs> and pursue <laughs> my dreams. <laughs> um, so that was around 2010. I got signed. And I've been a professional dancer, moved to LA six years ago, um, and just been doing that and finding other ways to diversify myself in the entertainment industry. That sounds dope. Are you in New York right now because of quarantine? Yes, I am in New York right now because of, of not necessarily because of COVID. Um, I did have like a death in the family and I came to New York uh, like mid-May for it. And um I, I kind of stayed here. My best friend's keeping me hostage along with her sister, which I don't mind because I'm not doing anything in LA anyway. Like there's no work. My agents are like, everything is virtual, girl. You chilling? And I was like, great. I got my tripod and my ring light. It's lit. Yeah. And I just like being in New York, the energy here. I get to be around friends and family. And I get to be around my culture because you don't find the Caribbean culture in LA like that. And I'm I'm just really happy to like be home during a time when there's literally nothing to do. And four walls in LA isn't as pretty as four walls in New York. (laughs) I feel you, especially in the summertime, you know? Yeah, especially in the summertime. And this is the first time I've been home in the summertime since I moved to LA. Like I always come for Christmas. So it just feels so good to be here and like, you know, have that type of energy um because girl la <laughs> you already know i feel you <laughs> um okay well i know you have a go go me um for is it your your family member that passed away is it your cousin well uh she's actually my nephew's godmother okay. where she was when she rest in peace uh her name is uh ashley williams we we knew her as late a uh, 20-year-old woman, mother, uh, single mother to a seven-year-old. She was killed by a stray bullet in Hempstead, mm. Long Island. Um, rumored to be related to, to gang violence and obviously gun violence. Unlike on, on, on a really violent uh, block, like I think they call it D-block. Mm-hmm. Like shootings happen there very regularly. So I do have a GoFundMe on my social media right now. We've almost reached the goal actually. When I first posted it, it was at $5,000. It's about at $19,000 now. The goal was $20,000. For funeral expenses for the young lady, obviously, no one's ever prepared to bury someone that young. Um, Her her son is seven years old. He's an orphan now. And um, right now, the other thing that I'm focusing on my social media is a petition 
to change the name of the street to Latte's Way so that we can kind of raise awareness on gun violence um, in Hempstead. It's very prevalent. It's so funny because people who live in New York City think that like if you live in Long Island, like you straight, you in the suburbs. Like, yeah, nah, there's really ghetto hood ass, bad neighborhoods in Long Island. And, and my sister, um, her name is Cassandra. She's a rapper, call her Batty Bars. Um, she she and her her man are like really pushing forward to like push more awareness. You yeah. know what I mean? And you know they're trying to organize a peaceful march. They want to change the street name, and it's just really unfortunate because even she was a spiritual healer. Mm-hmm. And at her candle vigil, you had so many people speaking about how she would like volunteer her time to like bring healing to them. And it's just so sad that someone like that is a victim of, of gun violence. And even ironic that the person who is feeling as if they need to retaliate with a gun is really in need of healing. And mm-hmm. kill it's just, it's just so sad. Like I'm really trying to compose myself right now. Like, yeah. So yeah, that's 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 what's going on on my social media right now. Um, and it's funny because I was speaking to you earlier a little bit about it, but I have been readily uh, creating a, a list of organizations that target gun violence in our communities because, you know, there was always that situation with the Black Lives Matter um, where people would retaliate with them. Well, what about black on black crime? Yeah. Well, first of all, black on black crime is a unicorn, is a myth. Okay. <laughs> you know, and I really hated that argument. And I found that a lot of people, especially white people, but even what? some black people, <laughs> were just super misinformed about it. Like they think that we don't do shit in our communities about this, that we don't think that this is a problem and we don't care. And I'm like, where have you been? You obviously don't live in these neighborhoods. Yeah. You don't know what happens you don't understand like all the things that this community has to do to like repair. And, and on top of that, you don't even understand what are the issues, the underlying issues, the socioeconomic issues, the yes. lack of resources, so on and so forth. Like, and on yeah. top of that, they, they think that there are no protests about it. They think that there's no organizations. And, and I'm like, yes, they are. And then I would find like different organizations, protests, even amidst the Black Lives Matter protests, while there was like this like big um, climb in violence. Yeah. And I would post to my, my Facebook and my Instagram, and I'm like, hey, look, the media's not covering this. This is a march, a Black Lives Matter march against gun violence, but nobody mm. is like putting light on this because that's not the narrative, you know? They right. don't care that we care about our communities, you know what I'm saying? Right. And I was just like, cool, I'm gonna make this list, I'm gonna put it out, and then lo and behold, not even a week or two later, I have someone very close to me become a victim of gun violence. And, and it's just like, all right, you know what? Now we got to get this out here because people need to be involved. And we really need to, we really need to focus on the issues that are in our community, that, that intergenerational trauma, the anger, you know, uh, how we ourselves perpetuate and glorify violence outside of rap music. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So kind of something that I'm very passionate about in the moment and just really, really want to like, start that conversation and push people to inspire people to just you know volunteer mentor youth you know all these people that i speak about speak to are like i'm like okay so do you mentor youth do you volunteer with any organizations and the answer is always no answer is always no and i'm like do something right yeah if you're watching this on youtube click the link below we're definitely going to have latte's gofundme at the bottom if you're what if you follow on instagram you know we'll be tagged tagging melanie and we'll also have the gofundme posted so keep a lookout for it if you're listening to this episode um and also the uh it's a change.org petition we'll do both we'll do both change.org as well wow that's that's, um if you guys want um my sister's Instagram is Batty Bars. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you spell it. She always puts like an extra I or an E or something like that. <laughs> but just check my Instagram. I, I post about it. I, I literally spam people's inboxes like, hate to spam you, but this matters. Boom, 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 boom. You know, um, and you guys can, you know, put forth your condolences, your prayers, and your energy towards them and the family. Yes, and we for sure will. You know, energy healing is so important. I have a, I had a friend on the podcast in the past who's an energy healer. I have friends who go to energy healers. I have family who don't believe that that's a thing. It's a real, you know, it's so real. So 
we have to protect our people in our community who give back in that way. And people don't understand that energy healers give back in a way that other people can't give back, you know? So, all right. Well, um, definitely prayers up for you, your family, your sister, everyone involved, and her, and her baby boy. Um, well, Melanie, we always start the show with a quote from a woman we in we admire, right? And so you chose this quote, so you know it, and it's machismo will never be fucking revolutionary by Denise Oliver Velez. Uh, what does this quote mean to you? Why'd you choose it? Well, me personally, again, always exchanging and discourse with people. I found mostly when I went to LA, when I would have like the Latin black conversation, a lot of my African-American friends would be like, well, Latinos never stood up with us. And I'm like, lies and deception. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like do a little bit history, you'll realize, but I'm from New York where the Latino and the African-American community are like this. So then I would like have conversations about the young lords and I've always been very curious about them, learned a little bit about them. And uh, I minored in Africana and Latin American Caribbean studies at Stony Brook. Uh, so I learned a little bit about them, but there was never like a large amount of information. So recently, during the Black Lives Matter movement, I found a book that had a, like literally a radical, it's called The Radical History, The Young Lords by Joanna Fernandez, who is a Black and Latino studies professor at Baruch College. Mm -hmm. And she, it's like a 500 page book on the history of the Young Lords. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, um, and in it, uh, Denise Oliver Velez, she was kind of like the, the female cohort to the Young Lords. She was also a part of the Black Panther Party. She wasn't even mm -hmm. actually Puerto Rican. She's African-American um, and she was part of the Black Panther Party and the Young Lords. She ended up marrying a Puerto Rican. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm sure people have seen uh, pictures of her. She very much resembles like an Angela Davis, yeah. uh, a lighter skinned Black woman. And when I read the history about her, and how females began to be a part of the movement in the Young Lords, one of their radical ideas was to embrace revolutionary machismo. And machismo um, is like male pride, almost like a, a aggressive male pride. And when they brought that point to be like one of the points that the Young Lords had, she was like, eh, 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 eh we're not doing that. We're mm -hmm. amplifying women's voices. Yeah. You know, we are going to be equals and machismo can never fucking be revolutionary because now you are dehumanizing the women that are a part of this movement and we yeah. need to be heard, if not more so, especially that machismo and chauvinism is very much rampant in Latino culture. And mm -hmm. all cultures, you already know, we, we are, yeah. we're part of patriarchal, misogynistic yeah. culture um, yeah, inherently. So I found that so profound, right? Like here's a woman, a strong woman. And you know what I love? She used fucking, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I have a nasty mouth and I, I have a lot of male friends who are like, Melanie, you need to be more a lady. Like you curse too much. I'm like, fuck out of here. Yeah. I curse like a lady. And I love that she said fucking. I'm yeah. like, yes. When I looked up um, the quote and like where it came from, I was like, damn right, because men are only revolutionary when it comes to war <laughs> and nothing else, baby. So, yeah, yep, exactly. So I love her. Oh, and she followed me on Twitter. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I followed her and like retweeted some of her stuff. And she she followed me back. And I was like, yeah. and then I was gagging because I was like, damn, I say a lot of disrespectful shit on here. I might need to say something. <laughs> This bitch don't give a fuck about you. She, she right there with you, probably. You know what I mean? Probably saying the same darn shit. You know, you know how like Twitter's like your subconscious thoughts or your unconscious thoughts. You don't want to say out loud and you just say it on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I'm going to say what I had to say. Judge me, don't judge me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she read your tweets and she was like, let me follow this girl. Cause <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Okay, well, listen, let's take a quick break, y'all. When we come back, I'm going to be asking Melanie some random questions. So we'll be right back. Hey y'all, welcome back to Color Couch Conversations. I'm here with Melanie Centeno and we are gonna talk about dance a little bit. So you quit your good job. 
to dance, girl. I sure did. But you know what's super inspiring about that? What age did you, like, when did you quit that? Because most people who dance have been dancing their whole entire lives professionally. So it's super inspiring that you were in adulthood and you did it. So tell me about that. Well, I guess that story kind of starts in college. So let me start there. Okay. Uh, and actually, my best friend, she's sitting right here. She's the reason, right? So in college, me and my my high school best friend, Tasha, we were going to run track because we ran track in high school. And we met with the track coach. The track coach was like, yeah, so we have practice at 6 a.m. Me and Tasha looked at each other like, nah, <laughs> we never met. So we were, you know, looking to find other organizations to be a part of. And we didn't like a lot of the sororities on campus. They were mastush. And we're like, mm. and then these girls came up to us about like this new dance um, troupe called Deja Vu that they just started last year, blah, blah, blah. And some of the freshmen that we had met um, were interested in it. And my, my current best friend was one of them. So we were like, you know what, fine, um, we're going to audition. And, and Tasha's like, you audition? I'm like, girl, it took me six months to learn how to log on. Like, you really want me to? <laughs> I, I was not a dancer. Yeah. And, I, you know, I auditioned. Girl, I, I wish there was a tape for this because I know I was going left when motherfuckers was going right. Like, I know. And then we had three numbers. The last one was uh, to a, a dance hall track. Like, she's hot, she's blazing. And for that one, I was able to keep up a little bit because I'm from Brooklyn. So I know some of these dances, even that they took me six months to learn because I'm in Brooklyn. All my friends are West Indian. Tasha's Trini Jamaican, like, there's no way I was going to be a Husky 16 not knowing all the dance hall dances. Yeah. So they left me on the dance team to be um, an alternate. Okay. So you, as alternates, you always had to, like, you know, uh, audition to be in the shows on campus. And my roommate, who is now my best friend, she would force me to practice every day. Yeah. And eventually, I, uh, I picked up enough to be able to perform a few times. Um, and then I was on the step team. So I still performed in college, but mostly on my sorority. Once I pledged, I'm in a sorority, Signalanda Upsilon, Senorita Sigasa. Once I pledged, that, that ended up becoming my focus. So I kind of stopped focusing on dance a little bit and just really okay. focused on being like really active on campus, like super Latina, you know. Yeah. Um, when I graduated, I was like, God, I got to lose this freshman 15 because I had gained a little bit of weight. And I started dancing salsa after work. Just like for fun. leisure. Yeah. And girl, I was obsessed. I would dance five days a week, go to the socials, come to work in the morning, tired because I was dancing all night. Yeah. Um, and then I joined a few dance salsa companies. They they let me travel with them. We went to Europe. I was like, damn, this is what you could do. When I realized you could get paid to dance, I was like, oh, I gotta look this up. Yeah. I found a dance program at Broadway Dance Center. I'm 25, mind you. Yeah. I'm 25. Um, it was the only program that allowed people over 23, I believe. Wow. And they were asking for a shit ton of shit that I have. They were like, five years of hip hop, eight years of ballet, blah, blah, blah. Bitch, I had like two years of salsa. That's what I had. Yeah. And like, you know, my limited time dancing in college. And I was like, whatever, I'm going to apply anyway. Because I actually was really good on the salsa company. And I looked like I had technique that I didn't because I just had the facility. Yeah. And they let me in the program. I got signed right out of that program. And what's crazy is that I applied for the program. I was still working. And I was like, I don't want to quit because if I quit, I'm not going to be able to live. You know, because it was like a three, four month program. Yeah. But then I was like, you know what? But what if I do the bare minimum? Maybe they'll fire me. Because I, I worked in a really small lab. So yeah. I did the bare minimum. I would come into late. I would come in late. I'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything that I did, I just was like, just don't kill nobody. So if it was about the patients, I did it like 100%. Yeah. Everything else, I was like, I got to sleep right now. You know what I mean? And uh, eventually they let me go. But the thing is, my boss kind of knew. Yeah. And she was like, we're going to let you go. And, I, and I, you know, it was hard. That's my first job out of college. You know what I mean? But it was like a happy, sad cry. And then I was able to live on unemployment while I pursued my dream. And I got signed from right out of that program. Wow. Like, actually, one of two people in that program who got signed, like, straight out of that program at Broadway Dance Center. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Listen, I the only thing I that I keep thinking about is I quit my full time job uh, to do comedy. Right, last year, almost a year, in a few days, uh, I was an HR business partner, so I had a really good job. I don't want people to listen thinking you can get fired from your job and get on unemployment every time. What What was the reasoning for firing you? <laughs> they, I mean, they just fired me because I think one, they knew I didn't want to be there, yeah, and they knew I wasn't going to quit. And and then on top of that, I think they were doing like some budget cuts anyway. So yeah. they were like, yeah. it yeah. worked. It it don't always work like that, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like okay, cool. I don't I, want I, I just it just happened to be a thing that ended up working out for me. Yeah. But most people who quit, most people just quit and then you gotta figure it out. I yeah. mean, after that, there were years after that where girl, I did I did shit that I didn't want to fucking do to pay the bills. Okay. Mm. I hate being objectified. I was a go-go dancer for like two years. Yeah. You know, my boyfriend used to, we call it hitting. He used to dance on the train. Those people you see on the train. That's yeah. How we yeah. It was struggle bus. You know what I mean? Before wow. I was able to like really just dance and pay bills for many years, girl. And it was so embarrassing because I would be in these nightclubs in Washington Heights with yeah. people that I went to college with. And they're yeah. looking at me like, yo, she got a whole ass degree. She's go-go dancing. And I'm like, hi. But you know what? That's that's crazy because when I look at a go-go dancer, they're always hella in shape. Like, I can't dance. I'm not one of those. I cannot dance at all, girl. Um, but they're always hella in shape. Ain't nobody touching them. They weigh up. Like, I'd be like, I could do that if I could dance. And you do it at night so you could have a full-time job and do that. So it's crazy that people will look at you and be like, what you doing dancing? It's like, I'm... I'm making extra money or whatever I'm doing, you know? Yeah, but training is expensive. Like yeah. dance classes are like $20 a pop. And that yeah. was that was 10 years ago, they were $20 a pop. They're yeah. like $25 a pop now. Facts. So you did whatever, you volunteered at the dance studio. Here you are wiping windows for yeah. classes yeah. or just like, you know, volunteering your time with teachers so that you can guest in their class. You know, like I barely slept. Yeah. I when I did a dance program, I was working full-time because I got a second full-time job. I danced from 8 in the morning till 3 p.m., went to work at 5 p.m., got off at 1 a.m. to wake up in the morning while I was in that program. Yeah. It's not a walk in the park, boom, like stars align. Like yeah. Stars aligned and then they didn't and then they fell and then they aligned. <laughs> you know that's how I mean? it works, though. You, know? you got to keep it pushing. That perseverance, you know, I think... I think it might be Will Smith who has said this. It's like, it's not really about being good. It's really about not quitting. You know yes. what I mean? Because you keep on going at failure after failure after failure, no after no, and you already know you're in the industry. You get more no's than you get yeses. Yes. The people who can stand that for the longest are the people who are going to be successful. Facts, facts. So you dance professionally. Could you ever date somebody who can't dance? No. <laughs> really no I can't do it oh it's such a turn off I'm like damn he's fine if I see that if I go on his his page yeah. and I see him doing something mad corny I'm like damn he mad corny like fuck it like I can't <laughs> I mean I'll say this if let's say I get to know you and fall in love with you before I realize that you can't dance yeah like of course I'm gonna be with someone you know what I mean yeah, I'll be with you, of course. You know, I'll probably work with you every day to make sure you're not making me look crazy out in the streets. But <laughs> I think uh, because I'm a dancer, there's such a connection between like a freedom of self and dance mm -hmm. that for me, they're attributed to themselves. You know what I mean? And, and if you don't have that type of freedom in yourself to like feel music and move to it and let it move you, then I don't think that we we could be soulmates like what if what if he do what if he let it move him but he just not good <laughs> i mean if you letting it move you then you're gonna be good you know what i'm saying like there's no way that you're letting music move you and then all of a sudden you off beat i mean you know what i mean yeah um, yeah 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 i do you know what i'm saying people people who who really love music and love the culture of music also love dance you get what i'm saying like think about our cultures right there's no way that you have a family function and we not dancing. You get what I'm saying? So it's just like, if you grew up in this and you love this, you're going to have the skis. You're going to have the feel. And that's attractive. You know what I yeah. mean? That, that tells me a lot about you. That's hilarious. I do not like guys who dance. I And maybe it's because I can't dance myself. I am. 
and I'm hella extroverted and I don't I don't like to date extroverted guys. So if we out and you in the middle of the dance floor, I'll be like, what? I, I, I'm gonna see you dance and there's no way you tell me that you can't dance. You probably not like popping and doing all this crazy shit and really rocking, but yeah. there's no way that you can't at least hit a cool two step. And honestly, that's kind of all you need because almost every single one of these fad dances, they're two steps. Yeah. If you can two step, then you can dance. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking yeah. about the <laughs> like chill. No, I can't date you. <laughs> I could definitely two-step. You know, I could let you slide. I could two-step. But, you know, my husband's Nigerian. And at a Nigerian wedding, I sit my ass down, okay? Because, girl, they will dance circles around me. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, one question I have for you is um, when I think about uh, Puerto Ricans, I think about, you know, Afro-Latina culture. And I think about Black people. But I have to remind myself. And I wanted to ask you, are all Puerto Ricans black? And if so, why not? Like, are they or not? Well, I think there's like a very large misconception and you can blame American education on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you can low-key blame any education because even in Puerto Rico to a certain degree in Dominican Republic, a lot of these places outside of maybe Cuba, um, they, they just, there's so much misinformation in, in, in about race. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll speak specifically about Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Dominican Republic, all these Latin American countries are just like the U.S. Mm-hmm. They had African slaves. They had indigenous peoples and they had colonizers. Mm-hmm. Their colonizers were not the British the way that they were here in America. The colonizers in our in our spaces were Spaniards. Yep. Spaniards are not black <laughs> yep. although there were some spaniards who were right the moors right they were like northern african mixed right but the majority of spaniards who had the money and who came to to colonize these islands were white mm-hmm. white 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 <laughs> you know so for us when you say um you know and we equivocate race the puerto ricans there was an era where we had leadership that promoted Puerto Rico as like this like racial paradise where race didn't exist mm. and we're all three races and we're all this and that and the third but there's an issue with that because now you don't see the disparity you don't see how Loisa which is the blackest uh town and city in Puerto Rico is the poorest city mm. you get what I'm saying um so yeah no now all Puerto Ricans are black the vast majority of Puerto Ricans do have African ancestry because of the way that mixture happened in, in Spain, um, excuse yeah. me, in Puerto Rico, in Cuba, in Dominican Republic. Um, it wasn't like in the U.S. where they where it was like a secret to like, you know, have sexual relations. Let me let me stop. We got raped just like y'all got raped. Yeah. But after there were times where they were like taken as wives. Uh, and not as just the the quiet mistress that was also the slave. Like, it was like the wife, you know? Um, and then after a while, uh, Catholics gave more rights to Blacks in, in these islands because they realized, oh, you're not savages, you have souls, you're people. Mm. So it was the opposite in America where they're like, you're not people, you're, uh, you know, three-fifths of man, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. None of that happened. Jim Crow didn't happen there was just such large mixing that almost they 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 didn't see it anymore right Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. most of the people look like me right they were just very mixed race but then there were times in in the history where they literally whitened the race i forget the name of the royal decree from spain but they gave free lands and slaves to white people to come to puerto rico to whiten the the island because they were afraid that the slaves were going to revolt. So yes, in Puerto Rico you have straight up white people, German, British, Dutch, Spaniard. You have lots of mixed people like myself who are yeah. very mixed race, mm-hmm. but definitely Afro Indigenous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have black people, you have Indigenous people. Yeah. But vast majority of Puerto Ricans are mixed race yeah. and have African and indigenous ancestry. The one thing that always confused me and still confuses me about that is, you know, I think Americans have this <laughs> misconception that anytime soon, America will be all mixed people. They're like, oh, by 2040, everybody's gonna look like Melanie. And it's like, 
actually, no, they won't. I don't know if you know that. You know, it takes a very, very long time. And you can use uh, Puerto Rico as an example, right? Like, how long ago were the slaves brought in? Hundreds of years ago. And there are still some white people and some very dark-skinned people. And why doesn't everybody look the same there? So it kind of makes me feel like, are the white people in Puerto Rico just only, are there some people who just only want to date light-skinned people or white people there? And why why doesn't everybody look mixed race? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, definitely in Latin America in general and all Latin American countries, um, there is this idea of uh, mejorando la raza, which is like bettering the race. Um, mm. The term might be a little different in other places, but in Puerto Rico, hay que mejorar la raza, which means marry white. But it's not uh, necessarily the black man's plight that they, he feels that way. This is an indoctrination. This is a result of colonization of imperialism that associated whiteness with, with opportunity. Yes. So for, for those, it was more like a survival tactic. Yes. We have to marry white so that we can get more opportunities because they don't give opportunities to black people. Yes. And then it continued to be internalized. And then being black, was something that was subconsciously something that people did not want to be or to be associated with, right. especially because of the way that America put the image of the black man right. in the early 1900s. That's when Puerto Rico became a part of the United States. Yeah. So now here, America is putting out black people to be criminals, to be savages. It's like, no, we're not black. We're yeah. Puerto Rican. Don't tell yeah. me I'm black. You know what I mean? Um, so, and we started to equivocate race. And again, this internalized like racism, this colorism is very much still prevalent to this day. I think there is a very large opening of minds now where mm. people are embracing their blackness. That is something that is up to be proud about, like your skin complexion, your culture, especially that in Puerto Rico, the food, the music, girl the seas everything yeah the hairstyles like you don't see it but we we have our hair in braids we have our hair in wraps you know, that's african yeah <laughs> that's african any platano dish that's african rice and beans that's african yeah. Salsa, that's african yeah. um bomba plena those are like our folk music that's african yeah so it's weird because they have a, a a pride in those things that are african in nature and they even say like we have african in us and we have spaniards and we have taino but they very rarely say i'm black yeah you know? um my mother is that way yeah i'm like ma you black she's like i'm not black i'm puerto rican i'm like but mommy um abuelo was black yeah, yeah, but he was a black Puerto Rican. And I'm like, so that means you're black. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Look at it, mom. Wow, there's so much to be said about that. Um, even in my own experience having friends, like I girl, no shade, but I got a friend who only, she's Dominican, but she only dates white dudes. Girl, why you only dating these ugly white dudes? Girl, you gorgeous. You can get any man you want. Literally, any man you want. But you dating... Scott, okay. Yeah, not all Scots are bad, but this whole, like, I, I only date white men, ask yourself why. Right. And you know what? Some Scots be fine. No, Scots be fine, and some Scots but, be pro-black. I'll be like, yes, I'll take a Scott. Okay. Not. But I'll- <laughs> <laughs> some Scots be fine, but, you know, I don't know about the, just the ones I be seeing, some of my people who I know have a few colorism issues, it don't never be the fine ones. You know what I mean? I'm like, girl. Girl, I could talk for 20 days about this shit. <laughs> All right, y'all, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some trending topics, including Cardi B and a little bit of homeschooling, even though we're not moms. But so uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Colored Couch Conversations, y'all. I'm here with Melanie Centeno. You can follow her on Instagram at Melanie Moves. And we are talking about a few trending topics. So one thing I wanted to ask you is um, it's because Cardi and Meg Thee Stallion have a new single coming out this week. Um, I'm really excited. I really love Cardi B. I do. I know all the problematic things she's done and said. I still love her. She has an infectious personality to me. And I think me personally, you know, I think she's 
learn from some of her mistakes. But I wanted to ask you, Melanie, do you think Cardi's problematic? Um, maybe we could talk about what do you think is, is what are some of the things that she has done okay. that is problematic? Because what I find is this, right? And again, let's think about how white colonialism, white imperialism, and white supremacy is internalized in our people, Yep. right? Immediately, if someone is ghetto, they're automatically seen as below. If you're that word standard, yeah, English standard beauty, that that those words are made to other you. Zoe Saldana said that yesterday in a, in a conversation. I said they're made to other you. They make they're made to to make you seem as less than. Yeah. So what I find is that we as a people denigrate ourselves. Yeah. By saying oh she's ghetto she's ratchet she's this she's that she's always coming out her face. I think a lot of times when people say that she's problematic, it's because um, she's had some issues in the past with saying some things that people would consider colorist, right? They say they accuse her of um, not liking dark skinned women. Like they pulled up some tweets a long time ago where she called a couple of dark skinned women roaches. Uh, um, and she I made comments that. about that. Uh -huh. I don't want to take up for the things that she said. I think it's wrong to call any black woman a roach. Mm -hmm. Um, but the only thing I will say about that is she was calling these two women roaches. She wasn't really calling all black women roaches and stuff like that. So I'm wondering, do you know anything about the things that she said? Honestly, I don't really know much about this. I can't really speak on it, but even this, right? This is what yeah. I find also amongst us, right? As soon as we see anybody, even remotely, being anti-black if they're black it's like ah cancel ah and not taking anything into context not taking you know what i mean yeah. it'd be something different if she called them monkeys right right she called them roaches she's from new york and she yeah. called two women roaches yeah everybody knows nobody likes roaches right everybody knows they the biggest pest in new york city yeah. could she have been saying something that is anti-black quite possibly yeah. could she have just been saying it because these two bitches were pestering her more than likely right the latter you get what right. i'm saying um i don't know any other things that she has specifically said that is colorist but i do know that she's half trinidadian and she have the men again she very much proudly says that she's a black woman yeah you know what i'm saying like granted she's super fair skinned and all these other things and on top of that let's talk about how how we talk about ourselves mm. you get what i'm saying like this is an issue that we have that we always try to denigrate each other uh, and we use any and every word to shit on another girl who we think is trying to come for our man, who we yeah. think is trying to, you know, play me, who was trying to like disrespect me. I'll put this bitch in check, this, that, the third. You get what I'm saying? We have yeah. such a pride in verbally abusing each other. Yeah. You know and I think what the issue is not necessarily Cardi B. I think the issue is that we normalize this behavior in our communities. It's regular, it's regular shit. Oh, you're gonna let her talk to you like that? Yeah. Oh, you should wall on her. You should black on her. Like, nah. Yeah. Chill. I'm not gonna let anybody give take away my power. Yeah. You know what I started doing when I realized that that was an issue? I started saying, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> so if somebody try to come for my neck, I'm like, God bless you. Please bless me. Because at the end of the day, that's just your pain. You yeah. know, so I think that the issue is that uh, uh, at the at the foundation of that is us being able to look in inside of ourselves and see, have I ever called a bitch a roach? Or right. another word? Right. Because of the same reason that Cardi B called them a roach? Probably. You know Damn. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I and you know, when when I saw the tweet to myself, they're hella old, number one. And number two, it's kinda like I don't feel like a roach. I don't, I ain't never thought I looked like a roach. You know, I consider myself a dark skinned black woman. I ain't never felt that way about myself. So it don't I don't identify with the comment. You know what I mean? So that maybe that's why I'm I'm not as um, you know, offended by it or whatever. And some people some people were. And uh, for me, I, I don't I'm not gonna assume anything about anything that someone is saying unless it's very blatant. Yeah. If it's extremely blatant and I'm like, nah, this bitch yeah. is wallet. <laughs> but if it's not, I'm like, I don't know if that's what she meant. Okay, well, the last thing on our trending topics is, you know, school is about to start. And, you know, we don't have kids. But um, <laughs> could you ever imagine yourself homeschooling a child? You know what's crazy is that that's something that I always wanted to do. Yeah? 
I always wanted to homeschool my kids. I have an aunt that homeschooled both her kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like, it's not that expensive and it's not that hard. You know, there are a lot of online programs that send you the materials that make sure that, you know, there's a curriculum that you don't have to write your own curriculum and so on and so forth. And especially that they miseducating us every day in these schools. Wow. Why I want to send my kids to these schools? Right. You know what I mean? I think the only reason I want to put my kids in school is so that they could learn how to socialize and, yeah. and they could just be normal around people because I find that a lot of people who are just primarily homeschooled, they're a little socially awkward. I don't want socially awkward kids. I'm yeah. definitely the furthest from socially awkward. Like, yeah. I'm, I might not know how to deal with an extremely introverted child. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so I would want to expose them to other children so that they can learn how to deal with people. But outside of that, I don't really care for the American education system. Yeah. I don't. And, and you know, that's one thing. It's so shocking that you said that you wanted to homeschool your kids because, like, my mom asked me the other day. She was like, oh, you know, I don't know about homeschool. And I was like, mom, that's something I always thought that I could do. Like, when I have kids, I always thought that I could homeschool them. And it would be dope if I had five other moms. And I don't have to worry about my kids being socially awkward either because we have daily outings or weekly outings as a group. And there's, like, 10 or 15 kids because we're all moms or whatever the case might be. You know what I mean? And you made such a good point about moms picking up teaching different subjects or whatever the case might be, which I hadn't thought of. But I'm like, why we don't do this? Why are we sending our kids to raggedy schools anyway? Like... Yeah, and that, and on top of that, we're teach, we're sending our kids out to be indoctrinated to work for the man. Why? Yeah, we should be teaching our kids financial literacy. We right. should be like, we should be telling our kids. And and this is what the issue that I have with us, right? We come, we're like, you need to be a doctor, you need to be a lawyer, you need to be this, but that's still working for the man. Instead of saying, what do you love? Like, yes. Where are you really creative? What what is it that inspires you? Like my niece right now, she loves doing nails. She's like yeah. 11 years old. And she's like, Titi, I want to learn how to do nails. And I'm like, boom, got her little nail kit. She did, she gave me a French. I said, oh, she did a French. She did a French. <laughs> it was a little quick or whatever, but she did so good. And I'm like, I'm like, this is what you need to find out what they love to do. Guess what? She's 11 Ax. years old. If by the time she's 18 years old, she's been doing nails for seven years, she a pro. You get Facts. what I'm saying? She doesn't even need to go to college. She can start her own business. No, I feel you 100%. I totally, like, I I be telling people, when my kid is eight, I'm going to be like, sit down and do these taxes. Like, why we don't teach our kids that? Why we don't, like, this is no, ridiculous. Is like 11, I'm like, boom. Let me show you the stock market. <laughs> okay. So. Shit, you know what I mean? Or. Just it's, it's just so many things. They, they do not teach us how to excel in this country. Facts. And I am not a proponent of capitalism. Mm-hmm. I hate that shit. I think capitalism is the devil, right? If money is the root of all evil, then guess who is the person planting the root of all evil? Capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. But we live in a capitalist society. So why I am living here, I have to learn how to maneuver in this world. Yep. And they don't teach us that. And especially not in the hood. Yeah. <laughs> Let's so. get it together. Let's get it together. We're way better than this. You know what I mean? My favorite quote from this episode is capitalism, comma. I hate that shit. You should put that on the t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, y'all. Well, we're finally in the keep it real corner. And we have um, somebody wrote in to me. I went live on TikTok. I have a pretty good TikTok following. And I asked for questions for you, Melanie. Um, and I actually had somebody ask me. They said, I'm Latina. And I always hear that I'm not black enough. And I'm not Hispanic enough. I love both sides. What's your advice for them? I also encounter that issue, especially in entertainment, right? Mm. Um, I've had instances where I would audition, and when they typecast, and I stand with the Latinas, they have me stand with the Black girls. And when I look over, the Latinas in the Latina section are Italian and French. Like, no exaggeration, Italian and French. And I have instances where I work for Latino award shows, where where me and two other people are the darkest Latinos in the room, and most of them are American white or even European white people. In this crowd of 50 dancers, you know what I'm saying? I have instances where I work for Latino shows, and they lighten my complexion three shades. They straighten my hair. It's a big issue. 
and it, it makes you feel unseen and it makes you question your identity. So my advice to you is say, fuck that. Let, nobody can tell you how the fuck to identify. You know what I'm saying? I'm Latina. I'm black. I don't have to choose. And I don't got to prove to nobody that I'm Latina enough or that I'm black enough. Mm-hmm. It is literally in every single nuance of who I am, in my experience, in my upbringing, and how the world sees me or doesn't see me. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So I say to the naysayers, actually two, flip two the bird. Fingers. Two middle two fingers. fingers to the <laughs> naysayers. And, and I, I struggle with that as well. So I feel your pain, baby girl. But be so proud in who you are and nobody can tell you any different. So for me, when I when I flipped that switch, it was like, okay, now what am I gonna do to change this? Yeah. All right, I have to network. I gotta find more black Latinas in, in entertainment. And we gotta create our own shit. And we yeah. gotta, you know, the people who are the voice of this movement and like, fuck all this shit. You know what I'm saying? We here, we here. So, I mean, you don't have to be as loud as me. <laughs> I'm a loud bitch, but but you should find out what it is that you need to do. Even if it's just a conversation with two or three people, like you know, there's black people in Latin America, like we yeah. black, um, we descendants of slaves. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've had several conversations like that with my black friends. Yeah. When I say black, I mean like African Americans. They're like, there's black people in Latin in Puerto Rico. I'm like, blacker than you, my nigga. <laughs> black. What? Yeah. Yeah. There's some people who think that there are no black people in Puerto Rico that we just look like me at the darkest and we look like JLo and we look like Mark Anthony and everybody in between and I'm like no there are black people as black as you Jasmine in Puerto yeah. Rico yeah you know what I'm saying like stop yeah <laughs> stop you know educate yourselves and if you need to just be that person to educate then take it with a grain of salt just say hey you know let me talk to you about race in Latin America. And and you yourself, as a, as a Black Latina, there's so much things that we're just not going to learn, you know? Mm-hmm. But you have Google. You have so many things that right at your fingertips, there are books about it. Like, mm-hmm. learn about it. I find that when you learn the history and when you find Black Latino heroes, it makes you so prideful. You're like, oh, my God, I'm Black and Latino. Look what all these Black Latinos did. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I'll start you off with two. Arturo Schomburg. Black Puerto Rican, Schomburg, mm-hmm. his last name is German because obviously he's a right. descendant of German slave owners. He was the father of black history in America. There's a whole library in Harlem called the Schomburg, right? And he was uh, someone who helped organize and find artifacts and research so that black people can have a history in America. He's just as black as black Americans. Like we are the same people. Yeah. Very similar struggles, like let's unite, right? Mm-hmm. Then the other one, and I'm Puerto Rican, so I'm gonna give you Puerto Ricans, is uh, Pedro Alviso Campos, right? He is uh, a leader of the Puerto Rican liberation movement, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted Puerto Rico to be its own island, led revolutions in Puerto Rico to free itself from the colonial rule of the United States. Didn't succeed, yeah. you know, but created a, an idea and a pride in being Puerto Rican and being black. So that's my advice. Sorry, I was rambling, but I hey, let me tell you some girl. If you didn't get nothing from that advice, if that wasn't the advice of your life, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, <laughs> Melanie, what do you have coming up? Like, how how can people keep up with you right now? Uh, go ahead and do all the plugs that you want to do. Well, um, like you kept on mentioning throughout, my Instagram is at Melanie Moves. That's where I'm pretty vocal. Facebook here and there, um, Twitter here and there, but you're, you're mostly going to find me on Instagram. Right now, I'm working on a few things to help um, brand myself uh, with a brand. It's Moves. The brand is Moves, clearly Melanie Moves. Um, so I'm going to start doing some merch. Um, and also, I do a lot of fitness stuff. And for me right now, the focus on my platform is education, education, education. I found that that is my calling. Like mm-hmm. I am an educator at heart. I'm such a curious being. People come to me for so much information. So now I'm going to use my platform to continue educating uh, gun violence, Black Lives Matter, Afro-Latinidad. And then also 
nothing specifically project-wise right now being like coronavirus and COVID-19, but I'm really excited about uh, meeting and networking and collaborating with a lot of more Afro-Latino and Afro-Latinx artists and mm -hmm. creatives. Um, and just look out because the energy shift that's happening in Afro-Latinidad in Hollywood is real. And I guarantee you my face is going to be all up in that mix. So watch out. <laughs> that's the, and listen, just because you said it, you believe it, it's definitely going to happen. So I believe you, sis. Uh, <laughs> I'm waiting to see you all over everything. Not even just over at like Latinx content, but all over every space. You know what I mean? Because... Um, People are, are, are starting to really vocalize, vocalize and really admit that they need us. They need black women. They need Latina women to keep the movement going. So women of color, that's why I created this podcast. So Yeah, and this is dope. Thank you for inviting me on here. Jenny was like, oh, my God, I plugged you too, my friend. She sent me in. She was like, oh, she's mad funny. I'm like, I'm mad funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was just like, of course, anytime. Well, I already talk a lot to begin with. At least have somebody listening to me, right? Exactly. You know like, and I think also, like, everyone has something worth to say. Like, yeah. there's something that you have of value. And I love that you have given me the opportunity to present some value to, to anyone who's listening. So I appreciate you. Thank you. It was so valuable. I learned so much. So I can't wait for people to hear this and learn from you and follow you and fall in love with you and look at your list and volunteer. I can't wait. I, I'm assuming the, the list that you put together is going to have, um, you know, spaces in L.A. where I can personally contribute and everything like that. So I can't wait to volunteer. For sure. I'm going to start the list of the gun violence organizations and I'll start there with gun violence, but I also yeah. am going to do these uh, mentorship. Yeah. I, I just want to start putting out more master lists. Well, this is such a great episode, y'all. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the platform that you're listening on right now. And if you loved Colored Couch Conversations, make sure to tell somebody about the show. Okay, do not be selfish. You can follow us on Instagram at Colored Couch Conversations. And you can watch the show on my YouTube channel. That's Comedian Jasmine W on YouTube, spelled J-A-Z-M-Y-N. Thanks to my dad. Thanks for listening. Bye.